If you would, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Ephesians chapter 2, the 10th verse. If you put that in the Amplified Classic back there, I'd be uh, greatly appreciative of that. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, in the Amplified, please. Glory, glory, glory. There we go. That's the message. Can we get the Amplified? (laughs) Glory, glory, glory. Blessed be God forevermore. Y'all okay back there? Need some help? What are we doing? The computer's not doing it? Smack it. (laughs) Not each other. (laughs) The computer. In the name of Jesus. All right. I'll read it. How about that? For we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship, recreated in Christ Jesus, born anew, that we may do those good works which God predestined or planned beforehand, for us, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. Look at someone tell them preparation is a privilege. One of the things that, uh, as this scripture is trying to get us to understand and to bring us to a place of clarity of, is to know that number one, you were created in God's image and you are his handiwork in other words you are uh, fearfully and wonderfully made and if God has put you together then to be honest with you to complain about who you are or what you think you look like don't look like or what you think you have or don't have as an individual you are complaining about uh, God's handiwork and what we have to always come to the clarity of is that God doesn't make junk. So if He has created you and He has put you together and He has uh, formed you, then everything about you is God's purpose. That's the first thing. The second thing is that it begins to say that you were recreated in Christ Jesus. Now, the, the challenge with understanding, there we go, the challenge of understanding, must have smacked it, didn't you? The challenge of understanding that you were recreated in Christ means that prior to Christ, there was a plan for your life, but it was not God's plan. And as a believer, you have the ability to anticipate and to expect that once you have gotten saved, there is a new plan uh, set course in your life, and it's one that God has pre destined. In other words, he has planned it ahead of time and he has put in your path as you go through your journey uh, the things that you are going to need, the things that are going to take care of you, the things that are going to help you in your time and in your situations. I have seen so many people that prior to Christ, uh, their life held no answers. And then as God began to move into their life and they accepted Christ and they began to accept, because here's one thing that I want you to understand. 
to accept Christ is not the same to accept the life Christ has. Are, are, are you understanding what I'm saying? And so what I have noticed is that people who accept Christ but don't ex- accept the life that he has for them usually still struggle. Because how many times can, how many times can you really uh, move yourself into a place saying, look, this is what I am, and then step out of it because the world told you otherwise. And then you say, Lord, I accept you. And then you step out of it and go back to being like the world. And you can't, how many times can you do that before you yourself become confused? See, there's a point where you have to make a decision that says my, my, my destiny and my life has been forever altered. And now what I used to know, I'm now like a newborn babe that I now have to learn how to walk all over again. I have to learn how to talk all over again. And, and as natural as that may sound, believe it or not, as believers, you have to learn how to talk all over again. Because the things you used to say, you got to stop. The things you used to confess over your life, you got to stop confessing. Things that other people have spoken over your life. You've got to get to the place where you stop believing what they've said about you. Because just because they said it doesn't mean it was true. And so we have to understand that this is a place where now you have a new uh, predestined plan for your life. And the Bible says, taking paths which he prepared ahead of time, that we should walk in them. Which means that we don't always, how do I say it? We don't have to walk in them. You can choose not to. Because the Bible says you should do something. How many of you know that means you don't have to? You can walk whatever plan or path that you have for your own life and do whatever you want to do. The, the problem is that you really won't be living a good life. And when people see this and say living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live, then do you understand that God has a prearranged plan for your life. He made it ready. He got things prepared for you. And he has set it up so that you could live the good life. And I'm telling you, when I hear people come in and say, I'm not living a good life, what's wrong? You're not following the plan. There's no other answer. (laughs) Because if you follow the plan, then you will find that the plan will produce. I'll give you a great example. A great example. Uh, Years ago, I worked in corporate uh, America, and I have owned several companies. I have worked in uh, multi-million dollar corporations. I've been at the head of different organizations and so forth. Do you know that I have never been, I mean, I made money longer than train smoke. <laughs> and do you know I've never been as prosperous as I am now? When I start, listen, when I started pastoring, I wasn't making anything 10 years ago. Then I got a raise. I was making $200 a month. I was killing the game. (laughs) I'm trying to get you to understand something. Because now, you know, I have different businesses. We pastor. We we have a Bible college. We do all the things God has set in the plan for me. And although, technically speaking, I don't make nearly what I used to. If you put it on paper, I don't know we're close. But I have more today. Because the plan is in the plan is the provision for the plan. And a lot of people don't understand. They think, well, they're, you know, it, it's, it's now a blend. No, it's not a blend. They think they get saved and then they take their ideas and try to mix it with God and figure out how do I blend this in to make this work. 
And the truth of the matter is that is not possible. Because his plan has been predestinated. It's been planned beforehand. It takes into account who you are, what you have, your idiosyncrasies, the things you struggle with, the stuff that you thought disqualified you. Because you're like, I know there's no way God could ever use me. There's no way he could ever have a plan. Does he know what I've been through? Yes. He does actually know what you've done. <laughs> and he's got a pretty good idea what you're about to do. <laughs> And he's still not moved. Yet he chose you anyway. See, when you begin to understand that, then you realize that he says, these are plans that you should walk in. And if you do that, then he promises you, you get to live the good life. Now, living the good life doesn't mean without problems. A lot of people think, well, if I'm living a good life, I'll have no problems. The devil is a lie. You will have problems. You know what the reality is? When you live the good life, you have answers. <laughs> See, stupid things happen all the time, but I have an answer. I have a supply. Things don't work right like they're supposed to, but I have a supply. And so now that's what makes it the good life because there are so many people that struggle with things but don't have any answers. They don't have any supply. They don't have a way to get over it. And if you're not careful, the problems will decimate you. And this is why living the good life in the plan is where we have to understand what that looks like. Because the truth of the matter is, your preparation is greater than your profession. And people don't, they don't, they don't equate that. They, they think their profession is, is everything. And, and it's not. Look at Psalms 84, verse 10. Psalms 84, verse 10. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper. I had rather work in the children's ministry. I had rather clean the toilet in the toilet bowl ministry. I had rather open the front door. I had rather sweep the floors. He said, I had rather just be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in a tents of wickedness people don't get they think their preparation time is wasted time they think they don't even some people don't even value the time they're being prepared and here he's saying i would just rather do this than this how many people truly understand that no matter what area it, first of all if you don't serve anywhere that's a problem all into itself but how many of you understand, those of you who do serve, wherever you are is awesome. The only way you could think it's not awesome is if there, there's a story, uh, I believe it was Benjamin Franklin. Uh, he had a, uh, a friend who had a whistle, and his friend was running around blowing his whistle, and he, and he had it, and Benjamin Franklin didn't have it. And he wanted it bad because he saw his friend had it. And so he gave, he went to his house and collected all the change he could come up with. And he offered this money to his friend for the whistle. And so his friend said, sure, I'll sell it to you. And he took the money and gave him the whistle. So he is running around blowing this whistle and having a blast with his new purchased whistle. 
he happened by the corner store and saw one in the window. And so he went in and asked, how much is that whistle? And the shopkeeper told him the price, which was about one-third of what he paid for it. <laughs> to it, he threw the whistle out and never played with it again. When he didn't know the price of it, See, the problem is when you compare yourself to other situations, other people, other positions, other things, we're all on the same team. And the truth of the matter is when you begin to compare yourself, you start thinking to yourself, oh, well, anybody could do what I do. Anybody can do what you do. Pay attention. But anybody, anybody can do what you do. <laughs> I'll explain. A lot of people think, well, you know, somebody else can do what I do. Yeah, but can someone else really do what you do? Did God tell them to do it? See, because people get dismissive about what they're responsible for. And they don't show up. <laughs> oh, don't worry about it. Somebody else can do it. Can they? Well, they probably can, but can they? <laughs> because whatever God has asked you to do, He's asked you for a reason. And a lot of times what people don't understand is your preparation is always a privilege. Because <laughs> it's, it's, how do I say this? God never takes people where they want to go. He takes people where they're prepared to go. There are places that God is preparing for you. You'll never get there if you don't stay on his plan. The average person who hits the lottery, it's something like 80% of the people who hit the lottery are broke within 10 years. You want to know why? Because <laughs> they went somewhere they weren't prepared to go. When you go places you're not prepared to go, it'll never stick around. You'll never be able to keep it because you're not prepared for it. The Bible says it took 40 years to get from Egypt to their promised land. Most theologians agree as a crow flies, it would have been maybe a week and a half, 10, 11 days, uh, maybe two weeks at the most on a slow route. It didn't take them 40 years to get into their promised land. It took them 40 years to get out of Egypt. <coughs> See, and what you have to begin to realize is that God is trying to prepare you and to establish you in things that you are not aware of. And as we tend to struggle, uh, people don't get it that you, you have to protect your, your time of preparation. You've got to guard it. I remember uh, uh, years and years ago, and I'm talking, I don't know, at least 10 years ago, there was a, a couple that were having uh, marital issues. And they wanted to work, he wanted to work in the kids. And he wanted to work with teens. And I'm like, listen, until y'all get your marriage straight, 
And, and, I, and I wanna, I'm going to take it one step further for clarity for you. The issues they're having is their intimacy between each other. So you think I'm going to put you in a teen ministry? I mean, stupid is as stupid does. Now, now, here's the thing. Because of that decision I made, that was the sign for them to leave. When what it should have been the sign of, if I can't correct you, I can't cover you. Because when people want, they, oh, you know, I, I want, you know, the blessings upon my life and I want someone to cover me and to, and to be there to help me. Yeah, but I can't correct you. So how do I cover what I can't correct? <laughs> we doing all right this morning? <laughs> and so God puts you in positions that will develop you in a way that you are prepared for what you may not even see. It's like being nose blind. You ever go to somebody's house and they have a, a pet that they don't really deal too well with taking care of? And the first thing that hits you when you walk in the door is, oh my God. They're walking around like, what? They become nose blind. And because they become nose blind, they don't see it. And I'm trying to get you to understand there are areas in your own life you are nose blind too. That's why God puts you in places. That's why he makes you the doorkeeper. <clears throat> so what begins to happen is people's interest in the plan has to include your interest in your preparation. Because if your interest in your preparation is not the same as your interest in the plan, ooh, I want to do the plan of God. I'm so excited about the plan of God for my life. And then when the preparation comes, hey, we need you to do this. (sighs) (sighs) For real? Yes. Well, don't you know my anointing? Yes. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I do. (laughs) Do you know it? Because if you know it, you would see that there are things that have to be dealt with. So I need you to greet and smile. <laughs> oh my goodness! Maybe this is this, maybe this is Wednesday night. <sighs> the passing of time does not equal the passing of the torch. People think, well, I've been doing this for five years now. Listen, I, I've been pastoring for 13 years now. <laughs> Get in line. <laughs> what, what if I came out of here every time I had to preach and just go, can't wait till the next thing comes? <laughs> no, I love this. I love what I do. Is there more? Of course there is. But I love this. And it's going to be hard-pressed to get me away from. (laughs) And anybody that knows me knows that anything that I'm involved in, it's hard to get me out of because I love it. I love doing certain things that that now other people are doing. And it's hard for me. I have to work myself in, let them do it, let them handle it, leave it alone, don't be a control freak. (laughs) And they think it's on my control freak. No, I just, I loved it. See, when it's hard to get you away from stuff, 
Oh, my goodness. Some people are just like, look, I can't wait. Give the order, and I will drop this right now. <laughs> Preparation is a privilege. It's where God begins to put in you the things that it is you are going to need. Look at uh, 1 Samuel 2.29. 1 Samuel 2.29. Wherefore kick ye at my sacrifice and at my offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honors thy sons above me, to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all offerings of, of Israel my people? Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed, that thy house will be the house of thy father, should walk before me forever. But now, the Lord saith, be it far from me. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me, I shall, they shall be lightly esteemed. Now, just to give you the back story in case you don't know, Phineas and Hophni were the sons of Eli, and they were doing a few different things. Number one, when sacrifices would come into the temple, they would take their part of the sacrifice that they wanted for themselves and then let the people sacrifice the rest. They were also sleeping with the women in the church so, or in the temple. So the problem was that they were handling their office very poorly. They were handling their responsibilities very poorly. And God said, I told you that I would take care of you and your family. He said, but because of how y'all have handled it, you lightly esteemed the responsibility I gave y'all. I told you this is what I wanted you to do in service to me in the temple. And you treated it so lightly. Watch what he says. At the very end, he says, they that honor me, I will honor. They that despise me. Despise is a very strong type of language. Right? To say someone despises you doesn't seem to be the same as someone who lightly esteems you. In other words, you know somebody and you're like, eh, I could take them or leave it. Because, I, I mean, you know, they don't, they don't bother me none. I don't particularly like them. I could take them or leave them. That's lightly esteemed, right? But in God's eyes, he said that's dishonor and that's despise. To not think that whatever it is you do is not important, because, you know, what do you do at the church? Oh, all I do is. Well, hold on. Who gave that lesser value? Who sat here and said, oh, this is rank one and this is a 10 level rank. Who told you that? That has to be your own assessment of whether you honored what you were asked to do or not. And he said, because they put no honor on it, he said, because they lightly esteemed it, he said, then they must be lightly esteeming what I asked them to do. Therefore, I'm not going to put the honor on them that they should have. See, zero or par is nothing. You can't do anything without God's hand being on your life. This is what makes situations. People say, oh, you lived, you lived a charmed life. Nothing charmed about it. Charm is where you get into, you know, demonic things and horoscopes and crazy stuff like that that no Christian ought to be 
It's not a charmed life. We run into problems just like anybody else does. The only difference between me and the world is that when I run into a problem, my God has answers for me, and he speaks to me by the Holy Ghost and reveals, here's the solution, here's the finances, here's the answer, here's how you handle it, because many are the afflictions of the righteous, but my God will deliver me out of them all. So then I have not a charmed life. I just have answers. And when you have answers, you begin to realize... I have to honor everything God's asked me to do. No matter how little it may seem or how big it actually is. Because the truth of the matter is, if God told y'all what he really wanted from you as individuals, you would be scared. And you wouldn't do it. And what's the difference? Because you don't do it. So then he says, watch what he says here. He says, verse 35, and I will raise me up a... And then he gives you a definition of what faithful is. He says, one that will do it according to that which is in my heart and in my mind, and I will build him a sure house, and he shall walk before my anointed forever. He said, if you do it according to the way it's in my mind and in my heart, you are now found faithful. You know, people think diligence is faithfulness. I'm a hard worker. I, I, I don't care. <laughs> Bible says, lest the Lord build it, they who labor did it in vain. So just because you're a hard worker doesn't mean you're doing it the way God. See, what's faithful to him is are you doing things the way he asked for it to be done? This is one of my struggles with people and how they vote. They think somehow somebody's supposed to tell them what to do. No, if you vote according to how God has dealt with you and what is in his mind, you become pretty clear as to what is God and what is not God. Or you can be driven by culture and allow culture to dictate, media to dictate. But the reason why most people can't vote according to how God would do it is because they don't know him. They don't know his word. They don't know anything about him. And so they think that, oh, well, you know, this is just what mainstream's doing. I don't live in mainstream. To be real honest with you, if you are never encountering resistance, you live in mainstream. I'm not going with the flow. I'm going against it. And it's harder, yes. But nobody said this was supposed to be easy. We have a plan that's already been pre destinated that's already been set up that God says this is the way I want you to go this is what I've called you to do and now I've placed you here because I need you to get trained because some of you have no idea the challenges that are going to come into your life and this is when you know I'm like harping just go to church just keep coming just stay connected you will learn so much you will grow what people want to do is they want to get into a problem and then come to church. I can't teach you how to swim while you're drowning. The only thing I can do is knock you over the head and try to pull you to safety. But the reality is people don't get it because church is not only a painkiller, but it's a vitamin. I'll give it to you this way. Most people don't want vitamins. You have to sell them really hard on why to take a vitamin. 
Because a vitamin's effect doesn't happen tomorrow. They want something that they can pop in, and within 10 minutes, <laughs> the pain is. So then, as we understand the plan for our lives, as we understand God begins to prepare us, then we have to put equal value in the preparation as we do the plan. Because, you know, people get in a rush. Don't you know people are going to hell? They were going to hell while you were being disobedient. Before you even knew anything about God, they were going to hell. So what makes you think all of a sudden God's going to bypass your character? You don't understand. The, the clock is ticking. <laughs> and here's what happens when he says, here's faithful. Because diligent is just doing things. Faithful is I'm going to do it the way God has it in his mind and in his heart. And so the way that God would do things is the way we are supposed to live. And this is what is being fought very hard today. This is what you're finding media is coming against. This is what you find uh, uh, everything is fighting against God's way. They don't care that you prosper, just don't do it God's way. Yeah, that's right. We want you to do it the fast way, the ski mask way. We want you to do something that is against what God's asked you to do with the promise we'll prosper you. And then people don't understand why if the world gave it to you, then the world can take it away from you. And then we go through economies, ups and downs. And, we, and when it's up, God's blessing us. When it's down, you know, it, it must not have been a will of God. And we have aligned ourselves with insurance companies who call everything that happens in the world an act of God. Which God? Because just because they say it's an act of God doesn't mean it's God's acts. This is why when the children of Israel, he said, Moses knew my ways, the children knew my acts. They just knew what happened. But Moses knew the way that I operated. And this is when you understand the way God operates, you begin to see how he acts and why he does what he does, how he'll do what he does, when he'll do. There's more details when you understand how. This is why it becomes so critical for us to discern and to understand. We don't just look at what stuff is going on. Because people who are just waiting for something to happen, those are the people who say, you know, the, the Lord's going to come upon us like a thief in the night. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Oh, my God. You want to make the hairs on the back of my neck stand up? Let somebody tell me, you know, the Lord works in mysterious ways. I'm like, mysterious to you. Because you don't know anything about. The more you know about him, the more you grow in knowledge, the more you are able to experience with him. But because you don't take the time to prepare. <laughs> so then <clears throat> they took their position in a light way. And they handled it with lightly esteemed. Is that what the Bible says? So then, let me ask you a question. Why do people, I've seen people, like I can, I'm not going to name names, but I'm, I'm going to just give you the story. Here's how it works. They start lightly esteeming the things of God. They start lightly esteeming their study time. Then they start lightly esteeming their service to God. 
And then they'll, they'll stop serving, right? And usually don't tell anybody. They just kind of show up and don't show up. And then they stop esteeming their attendance to church. And then they stop esteeming their life. And then they stop esteeming their wife. And next thing you know, they end up with divorced, broke, struggling, and then usually Satan's pretty good at getting them to move somewhere else. And it all started how they lightly esteemed the things of God and they thought nothing of it. So now their dress changed because it doesn't take all that. Now their worship changed because it doesn't take all that. And he said, if you stay with honor, then you'll treat it as valuable and when it becomes valuable, you'll be able to live by what you value. This is why some of you ought to really wake up to the idea that if a person is married and they're seeing you, that tells you they lightly esteem the covenant of marriage. But you think somehow it'll be different with me. You big dummy. No, it's not. It's not going to be different with you because they don't esteem. See, I have been accused of being too serious. I know, right? Crazy. I have been accused of that. You're just too serious about this stuff. No, I have honor for it. And, I, and, I'm, and, and listen, there, there's only one thing that I am deathly afraid of. When I stand before him, all I want to hear is well done, thou and servant. Now, can I tell you something? Because a lot of people don't catch that. What kind of servant? First, before that. Good. You know what good means? Skilled. You know what faithful means? I do it the way it's in God's mind and in his heart, his way. Whatever he says, how he wants it done, that's the way I do it. It's, it's kind of like this, right? You go out to people and you say, hey, look, um, here's what I want you to do. I need you to uh, paint these walls, and this is how I want you to do it. I want you to cut it in first and do this and do that, and, and then that's how I want it. And then after that, then get the roller and, and fill it in. And I want you to do two coats. So you turn it over. And they come back and say, well, you know, look, I've been painting a long time. So I think the way we really should do this is do this, this, and this, and I'm going to come in with a sprayer. And then you overspray all my stuff. And then look at me, and here's your answer. I'm just helping out. <laughs> you could have done it all by yourself if you wanted to. And you think nothing of the fact that God is displeased. Years ago, my pastor from years ago told me this story. He said he was uh, serving under his pastor, and uh, his pastor told him he was doing the, uh, he was leading the ushers, and he said, every time service is over, he said, I want you to turn off all the air conditioners. 
He said, and here's how I want you to do it. He says, I want you to go around each one and turn them off. He said, and then once you do that, he said, then you go to the back and you hit the main breaker. That'll kill everything. Then when you come in, turn them all one by one by one by one. And then he said, that's how I want you to do it. So he's doing this process that his pastors told him to do. And one of the other ushers came up and said, what are you doing? He said, oh, I'm turning off all the AC units. He said, no, let me show you how you do this. Come on to the back. He said, here's this breaker right here. He said, you flip this breaker, and they all shut off. He said, and when you come in, you flip this breaker, and they all shut back on again. He said, easy peasy, that's how you do it. So he does that, and his pastor happens to see it. And he's like, wait a minute, what are you doing? He said, I'm turning on all the air conditioners. He goes, how did I tell you to do it? Now, here's the piece that anyone who does not have a commercial electric bill, this is the part that most people don't understand unless you have a commercial bill when it comes to electric. Whatever your system spikes at, kilowatt-wise, you get charged the entire month at that rate, even if you don't run at that rate. So what do you think happens when you flip a breaker with five air conditioners that come on at the exact same time? So then what happens is it spikes. And then you get billed the entire month at that rate, even though you don't use that rate. See, the pastor told him to do it a certain way. And it was in the pastor's heart and mind a certain way, which means it was in God's heart and mind a certain way. <laughs> and to then go and do the exact opposite was causing damage. You see it? You sure? So then, just because anyone can do it doesn't mean anyone can do it. <laughs> now that makes more sense, doesn't it? Because there are things and ways that God wants things to be done and He puts you there not to lightly esteem it, and they go, oh, well, you know, all I do is, we know you've changed when people say, hey, what do you do for the church? Man, I get to. Now we know you don't lightly esteem what it is. Because a lightness towards God always results in a lightness towards everything else. If you don't take God serious, what else is there? This is why I couldn't, I couldn't be with no one who didn't love God. My wife loves God more than she loves me. She needs to. Because when all proverbial hell could break loose, I need somebody that can get a hold of the Lord. I need somebody who has a relationship with God. Because what if I can't? Well, Pastor, you know, the Lord's working on him. Then leave him alone and let the Lord work on him. And let God make a man out of him before you try to make a man out of him. Because let me make sure you understand something. I don't care how cute you are. I don't care how sexy you are. I don't care how intelligent you are. If God can't make a man out of him, you cannot. And to think you even close to God, that's... Never mind. So then what happens is people don't know the difference between a leadership of their own mind and a leadership of God. They don't understand. The there's, listen, your head is not 
God's leadership. The leadership of God is different. You want to, because here's the thing, because, you know, the world is too many choices. Everything's about a choice. They, they choice of their profession. So job comes along and says, we'll give you an extra $50,000 a year, but you got to move to blah, blah, blah. And they take that lightly. Pastor, you would not believe this. God gave me this job and is moving me somewhere else. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. Let me see if I understand this correctly. God gave you something that takes you away from where he put you. You serve a schizophrenic God. Because my God doesn't have to take anything from me to give to me. Well, you know, just they, they tell me I got to work on Sundays. Then, then I tell them I quit. Well, you don't understand. I got to pay my bills. I'm not anointed to pay bills. The whole purpose of my life is not to pay bills. That's not the purpose or the plan or the destiny of my life to pay bills. I don't use that as a measure by which I determine what I'm going to do for God. There ain't no, you know, pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist, and bill payer. No, see, when you, when you really think, put these things in perspective, people will put their profession above their preparation and then wonder, or, you know, your predilections, you know, your, your, little, your little prejudices. <laughs> They'll put it before their preparation. I'd probably be more comfortable if he was a she because I, I can relate better if, if he was a woman. I could relate better if he wasn't black. I could relate better if he was. You, you can run down a list, right? Because people try to know you after the flesh and never know God brought you here for a reason. And whether it's a male or female, whether it's Jew or Greek, whether it's black, white, Puerto Rican, Chinese, Hispanic, Mexican, Spanish, Portuguese, it doesn't matter. Wherever God puts you, he puts you there for a reason. And if you know you're there for a reason, then your predilections don't matter. You're supposed to change your predilections for your preparation. So people struggle for their profession, their predilections, and then their pedigree. Their pedigree is, you know, they're just too smart. (laughs) Well, you don't understand where I came from. And every so often... When your pastor says certain words in the Old Testament, he doesn't know how to enunciate them correctly. (laughs) Listen, I am not enamored with the sagaciousness of my verbosity. I could care less. Did you get the point? Because if your pedigree, what keeps you from your preparation? I mean, for real. People get hung up on a stupid thing and they don't understand Let's keep going with these P's. Your passion. I am passionate about homeless ministry. Okay. I'm cool with that. But I want to do it now. Okay, you got the money? Well, no, I was thinking you do. I do. But God's spoken to what he wants me to do. We have a direction. We got a course. So you can come and get along with this, and we might get there. But right now, this is where we're going. 
Well, I'll just go find someone else who has it. Okay. Bye. <laughs> but you're not led by your passions. You're led by the plan. But see, people get so caught up in the thing they're passionate about that they can't embrace where the direction of the organization is going. So you're constantly bucking against them. Hey, can we start this, Pastor? Can we do this? Can we do this ministry? Can we do that? Listen, if the Lord ain't told us to do it, we're not doing it. We can't do everything. And if you want to know something, that's a plan of Satan to get you to do everything so you become a master of nothing. And people don't know. They're on assignment. Hey, Pastor, can we start the underwater basketball ministry? No. But I really love underwater basketball. I don't care. It's an assignment straight from the pit of hell to get off. I'm going to show you in a minute because I, I don't think you believe me. People think passion is not the same as commitment. And let me help you to understand something. Because this is what happens in marriages when people say, we're just not passionate anymore. Where's the passion? <laughs> Listen, three kids ago. <laughs> every time I look you in the eye and we stand before the bed and your three-year-old comes knocking on the door, their passion, <laughs> poof, be gone. <laughs> when I got to go change this poopy diaper... And the throw up coming out at all ends. Passion, poof, be gone. No, because people are childish. They're really childish. I just, I don't feel the passion anymore. We, we've just drifted apart. No, you weren't committed. Because commitment is the precursor to passion. Whatever I'm committed to, I can be passionate about. But if I'm not committed... Because commitment remains when the passion goes. And this is people are not committed anymore to the outcome. Committed. Now, listen, are there times where you just can't get past? There, there are those times, but they're very, very few and far between. Not as many as everyone wants to make it think. Oh, yeah, you know, we just, we just, you know, we fell out of love. No, you fell out of commitment. You wasn't committed from jump. And so we, we don't understand. It's not about your passions. You become passionate about what it is you are committed to. <laughs> you ready? Personality. <laughs> the choice of personality. Well, you know, pastor's a little rough. I mean, he'll, he'll hit you straight on. I mean, you know, I, I need somebody to tell some jokes and make me laugh. Personality is not what drives it. You want, you want, you want to be coddled. <laughs> Al does a great job at that. <laughs> he does. I'm telling you, he is the, that's his gift, encouragement. He's an exhorter. He, you hang out with him for five minutes, you will feel taller <laughs> than you did when you started talking to him. <laughs> Me, on the other hand. We're going to cut right to the point. We're going to get to the root of it. We're going to rip that puppy up, and we're going to go on and do something. Are you, are you understanding what I'm saying? But I don't allow Percy. His, his personality is very different than mine, but he's here. And he's connected. He's one of the most connected people I know. 
Why? Because personality doesn't drive it. Because there's pieces that he has I need. He's talked me off the ledge many times. And I've helped him get on the ledge. <laughs> Come on now, get on this ledge with me. We're about to, <laughs> we about to put in work. So this is what I'm trying to tell you because personality, um, it doesn't matter whether the personality rubs you the wrong way, so to speak. If God brought you here, and there's something about you that has to change. Because you know as well as I do, some of you, nice don't work with you. It just doesn't work. <laughs> you, know how, you know I can prove it to you? Now I can prove it to you. Let me prove it to you. Why y'all want bad boys if nice works so well? Oh, I want me a good I want me a good Christian man that runs the streets, that dogs you out. They don't even go together. That's like jumbo shrimp. It, I don't need to quit. Your choice of profession, your choice of predilections, your choice of pedigree, your choice of passions, your choice of personality, and then the last one is your choice of pastimes. Your little hobbies. <laughs> Man, if they had church on days where football wasn't, I'd rather watch the game. <laughs> Why did it get so quiet? Why did, y'all was all up here, and now... <laughs> I'm going to schedule y'all a five-minute session with Al to get y'all back up here. Why? 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 I used to love football. I could tell you stats. I could tell you who, what, where, when, how. I don't, I, draft, I don't know anything about it anymore. The only game I really can get to watch is, is the Super Bowl. <laughs> and that's really disappointing just about every year. But what I'm trying to tell you is, I'm not saying you can't. What I'm telling you is, what is your preference? Because if your preparation conflicts with your passion, if your preparation conflicts with your predilections, if your preparation conflicts with your pastimes, if your, pre- if your preparation conflicts with your prejudice, if your preparation conflicts with the things that are so important to you, your profession. What do you choose? And then you wonder why the plan. See, because people think that preparation happens in the great times. You ever hear the saying, you ever hear the saying, adversity builds character? Lies. Adversity reveals character. Adversity will always reveal character. You want to know the character of somebody? Wait till they get to a rough spot. Wait till they get to a place where they don't need you. That'll tell you everything you need to know. See, because rough spots are the places where you get true testing. Not in the great times. Nobody really gets developed or changed in great times. (laughs) It's when all hell has broken loose. Then you get to see what really is going on. (laughs) It's people don't understand the the necessity for preparation. Um, let's go. 
how how do we do that? Lord have mercy. All right, y'all. Let's go to man. I'm still on page one. Um, I don't even know how that happens, y'all. Let's go to Matthew 25, verse 21. Matthew 25, verse 21. I need y'all to speed it up, okay? Y'all move. Y'all move too slow. That's not where I want to go. (laughs) Where are we going, Lord? John 2, verse 1. John 2, verse 1. And the third day there was a marriage in the Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And they wanted wine. The mother of Jesus said unto him, They have no wine. Jesus said unto her, Woman, what have I got to do with thee? My hour has not yet come. In other words, what are you telling me for? They ain't got no wine. That's not my problem. She responds and says, there you go. His mother said unto the servants, she stopped talking to him altogether. She she had nothing, uh, talk to the hand, I ain't got nothing to say to you. She turns to the servants, she says, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Jesus is 30 years old. He has not performed a miracle. She stops talking to him, turns to them and says, whatever he tells you, just do it and walks away. Where did she come up with the idea that there was something he might have to say that will solve the problem? She knows him. And she's known him for 30 years. That's his mama. Evidently, there's some things she must have saw in him that said he knows what to do. He's going to have the right answer. He's a carpenter. I don't know how you get a carpenter to be your preparation to be the Savior of the earth. They're like, ain't that the carpenter? This guy right here is the one who's going to do all these things? Yeah, the carpenter. What was he prior for 30 years? A carpenter or a carpenter's son developing in the trade. You better wake up and realize everything you are asked to do is not in line with what you are called to do. He's a carpenter. When Elijah saw Elisha, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. He was a farmer. He threw his mantle on him and said, now you're no longer a farmer. You are a prophet. Now come follow me and I'll teach you how to do it. People get so twisted, not realizing the things you're doing. Well, I don't see what this has to do with my call. Listen, Danielson, wax off and wax on. Get that straight. Because you don't have to see what it has to do with anything. The one who's responsible for you is the one who's been tasked. And when Jesus said, everything that I do, I see my father do, he had to have seen some of that before, where his mother's like, we was in some tight situations, and this boy seemed to have an answer. We know it had to come from God. So listen, whatever he tells you to do, because I ain't fitting to argue with him, because I'm going to spank him. But whatever he tells you to do, 
do it. She had to have seen something that would have, said, that would have given her an indication he had some answers. Y'all want an answer? Follow him. But he's a carpenter? <laughs> Deuteronomy 8.2. 30 years of preparation for three years of ministry. Jesus' ministry was only three years. 30 years to get to three years. Deuteronomy 8.2. You ready? And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, and to know what was in thy heart, whether thou would keep his commandments or gnaw. You mean to tell me that God has allowed them to go through things because all he wanted to do was to see what's in their heart? So then wait a minute. I thought God knows all things. Doesn't God know everything? Does he know every mistake I'm going to make, everything I'm going to know? He wants to know what's in your heart. And notice, he says, I put you through these things and brought you through to prove you. That means to test, to see when this situation came into your life, how did you handle it? When this attack comes at you, how are you going to respond? I need to see what's in your heart, whether you will keep my commandments or not. <coughs> you mean to tell me he doesn't know already? He's waiting to see how do you handle when you serve in the kids' ministry? How do you handle it when you serve as an usher or when you serve in a sound or whether you serve as a greeter? Are you just waiting for the opportunity for something else to come? Or are you so excited about it you're bringing fresh new ideas? <laughs> or when you put your hands to it, does your ministry you're responsible for become better? Or are you constantly struggling with, we can't find any people, we can't find anybody. Listen, there's tons of gifts. You can't find them, you ain't looking for them. It's really that simple. Does everything you put your hands to become better or gnaw? He said, thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you in other words, to make sure you knew it wasn't you. To prove you and to know what was in your heart. Because I need to know. If you're going to do things the way it's in my heart and in my mind, I've got to know what's in your heart. And I'm looking to see if what's in my heart is in your heart. Or is this a layover? <laughs> is this just a necessary evil? Well, you know, it's just what I've got to do. You sure? Because for me, it's what I get to do. It's a slap in the face to God to think that everything's a layover. Let's go to, uh, this is why God cannot promote you to where you want to be, but to where you're prepared to be. Look at Hebrews 12. We'll find a place to, to land this puppy. Might seem like a crash landing, but it's not. We're all going to walk away from it. <laughs> Hebrews 12.1. Put in the Amplified, please. Therefore, then, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have borne testimony to the truth, let us strip off 
and throw aside every encumbrance. You know, you know what that is? That's an entanglement. Everybody say no entanglements. Uh, unnecessary weight. <laughs> that sin which so readily, deftly, and cleverly clings to and entangles us. Let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course. <laughs> the appointed course. You know what that tells you? You can run other courses. And you can get entangled and run other courses and not be on the course. Keep going. Looking away from all that will distract. That'll preach right there. Looking away from all that will distract. All of the professions. All of the predilections and the prejudices and the pedigrees and the passions and the personalities and the pastimes. Looking away from all of those things to look at Jesus. The one who is in fact the author and the finisher of our faith. And be on the appointed course. Not your own. Giving the first incentive for our belief. Who and is also the finisher bringing it up to maturity and perfection he, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross, despising and ignoring the shame, is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. He didn't look any which direction that the world would have tried to take him, but he stayed fixated on the prize. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I pressed towards the mark of a high calling. He said, forgetting those things which are behind and doing what? Reaching forth. See, that, that, that's, that's the looking away from all the other things that try to easily beset you. That's why I said we all have to run a race. Entanglements are not just people. <laughs> Look at Psalms 92, verse Psalms 92, verse 12. <clears throat> uh, let's put that in King James, please. The righteous shall flourish like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. One of the, they shall, no, good, that's cool. They shall bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat and flourishing. Now no, go back to uh, 13. They that are planted in the house of the Lord. <clears throat> you know what? Again, I'm, I'm trying to tell you how to run your race, right? To go your course. And I'm trying to show you how Satan will throw things at you to get you off course, right? And one of the lies he'll tell you is it doesn't matter what church you go to. They're all preaching the word. No, they're not all preaching the word, first of all. Second of all, I'm not telling you this is the only church on the planet because it's not. What I'm telling you is if you're supposed to be here, this is the only church for you. If you're supposed to be here. If you're not, then go find where you're supposed to be. But if you're supposed to be here, this is the only place for you. And you're supposed to be planted. Because planted people can't get up and move. Oh, pastor, I'm taking my marbles and I'm going home because you just said some stuff I don't want to hear. If you was planted, you can't. When you're planted, it, it's too much. 
It's like when I watch the, the market right now in terms of the real estate market, there are things I understand about real estate that I know exactly what to do right now. I'm too planted in my own house. <laughs> I walk around and I'm like, oh my God, I got to pack all this stuff. I got to move all this stuff. You don't take those types of decisions lightly when you're planted. When people can just up and leave, uh, I'm just, you know, I met this girl and she goes to this other church and I'm going to go. What? You took it that lightly? All it took was a wink. <laughs> or more. <laughs> and that's all it took? And now you're ready to abandon the entire plan. You wasn't planted. Because if you was planted, you'd be like, Do you know what this is going to take to get me out of this? To dig up all these roots? Come on, somebody. And that's why I said those that are planted, those are the ones that are fat and flourishing. Those are the ones that are growing and living a good life. See, <clears throat> people who seemingly can't wait to get promoted, they're just waiting. They're not planted. If you're working in one ministry and I come and say, hey, I think I want you to go over here, your first thought should be, but I'm so entrenched here. <laughs> I'm so implanted here. I, I, I so love this here. I should have to work you to get you out of it. Not the moment I say, hey, I was thinking, what, what, where are we going? <laughs> because potted plants, you can move around your house. See, if you've got a plant in a pot, you can just... And see, some people, not in here, but some people are a bunch of crackpots. Wonder why they're not flourishing. And it's because you have yet to get out of that crackpot and get planted. Well, you know, pastor didn't check on me. Pastor didn't even know you left. Well, he ought to know how. Nobody sees you. You don't serve anywhere. You don't help anything. Nobody knows anything about you. Well, I just think he should have. Because he what? Reads minds? Crystal balls? You got the wrong place. You need to go find your crystal ball palm reader and have them tell you your horoscope. Because people who are planted, we know where they are because they're planted. They're involved. They're, they're, they're connected. Their absence is felt because their presence was real. This might have been a Wednesday, huh? <laughs> you ready? You ready? <laughs> Isn't it something, Matthew 25, 21, and, uh, and this is where we're going, we're going to land. Some of y'all are like, thank God. Can I ask you a question? Have you ever noticed that jobs that require a lot of training and preparation are the highest paid jobs? You can't just, listen, you can't just go fly a plane. Well, I mean, you can, but you ain't taking me with you. <laughs> you can't just go and become a neurosurgeon. Well, I mean, you can, but you ain't working on me. 
Have you ever noticed that jobs that require an immense amount of preparation are positions that pay the most amount of money? And here, so many people despise their season of preparation and don't realize, God, thank you for taking the time to take me to a higher level so that when I come out of this thing, don't care how long it takes, but when I do, watch me because I'll be prepared because, God, you have taken so much time. You have been so awesome to to bring certain people and to move me into certain places and you're like playing chess and you're 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 moving things around and getting them all prepared and so i don't care how long it takes but the moment that all of this says now it's your time i'll be ready to handle and god i'm so grateful god i'm so thankful because there's so many other people that stepped out and imploded there are so many firecracker ministries that just blew up they were here today and they're gone Because the anointing took them places their character couldn't keep them. So I thank you, God, that you gave me enough time. Because I couldn't have handled this. I'm talking about me. I could not have handled this 15 years ago. I'd have made a mess. 20 years ago, I would have made a mess. I likely would have been cussing folks out. (laughs) I'm about two steps from that now. But... The Lord has delivered. I'm just kidding. Totally, I'm teasing. I'm totally teasing. What I want you to understand is the realities are God is taking you places. There's a preparation time. So watch what Matthew, what did I say, 25, 21? His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. And I'll make thee ruler over Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Faithful and good. He said, you have been faithful over a few things. In other words, you handled what I gave you. The little I gave you, you handled it well. It might not have been a lot to you, but I gave it to you according to my assessment of your skill. That's what the Bible says, according to several ability. He gave it to you. And he wanted to see what you're going to do with it. Are you going to be good? Skillful? Are you going to be faithful? Do it the way I asked for it? He said, because if you're good and faithful, skilled and committed to doing it the way that I asked you to do, he said, I'll make thee ruler over many things. See, people wonder why they've been believing God for a nice car. Listen to me. This is a very practical example of what I'm talking about. They're believing God for a nice car, but they can't seem to ever get there. And they don't realize it's because the one that you have, you have french fries from 1963 rolling around on the floor. You complain about having to get your car washed. You know, the cost of these things, going, car wash is going up. You, you, I, I, have a, I have a detailer that comes to my house. I'm so grateful for that detailer. He does in three hours what would take me 10 hours, and I'd be moping the entire 10 hours and angry about it. And he can get it done in three. And I don't care what it costs me because I'm so grateful that I have the position to have a car that needs to be detailed. 
So when he's out there, I'm like, thank you, God, for this car. Thank you, God, that you've given me, that I even have something that needs to be taken care of. Thank you that you trust me enough. You don't get in my car with no popsicles. Get the food from the drive-thru. We ain't eating in my car. <laughs> wait till we get where we're going. Every once in a while we will, but most part, my wife will tell you, we'll wait till we get home. See, I, I value what I have. I'm just trying to give you a practical example because some of y'all think you, you're not putting the dots together. So you walk into your apartment. I hate this place. And you got a little vision book of all the things you're going to get when you get your new home. While your apartment lies in waste. Because you can't stand where you're at. Instead of walking and going, I thank God for this place, man. There are people who don't have an apartment. There are people who live in the streets. There are people who don't have, I'm going to make this nice as I can make it. Because this is my place. This is where, in my morning devotional time, I worship God in this place. You think he's sitting out there going, oh, I'm not coming in there. That's an apartment. (laughs) God visited people in tents. That'll tell you something. The only time you have to be concerned, let let me help you know this moment. If you don't know this story, study it on your own because I don't have time to tell you the whole story. But Aaron and Miriam were coming against Moses in the tent. And God said, I need y'all to step out here. If God won't come in your place and tells you to step outside, that's all bad. I would, I, I would advise you to repent and pray all the way to the door because something fitting to go down if he won't come in. Other than that... <laughs> Do you take and value the little? As the pastor said to you, hey, could you just go grab me some Starbucks? Do you think, oh, that's awesome. Thank, I, I'll go do that. Thank God he even asked me. Or it's like, Starbucks? Who do you think I am? Want me to go fetch? Does he know who I am? Does he know my pedigree? And you'd be saying that to the guy who sat out in front of his pastor's office waiting to see if he wanted something from Starbucks. Happy to go do it. (laughs) Are you connecting? Yeah, I hope so. Because this is what it is. And God needs to know, do you have the character? Do you have the ability to do what I ask you in the little things? Because if you're faithful with the little things, he said, then I can give you more. See, when, 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 when you complain about, you know, the things that get done in a small house, what happens when you got a pool guy and a landscaper and a <laughs> you complain about this stuff? No, I don't complain. Hey, thank you. God, I got a supply. Glory to God. I'm so glad I got this little postage stamp right here. <laughs> Call it what you want, but it's my postage stamp. And when you begin to value the things, he said, when you honor me, you honor the things he gives you, you honor the assignments he gives you, you honor the things he's asked you to do, and you're on his path, 
That's when he says, you get to live the good life. <laughs> and again, if you ain't living a good life, I'm telling you, you ain't found the plan. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. We're so grateful to be in your house. We're so grateful that you have given us your word. We are not ignorant of Satan's devices. We know that he always has a plan to derail and to detour and to detract. But we thank you that in our preparation, there is promise. We'll not be turned to the left or to the right, but we will not look away from Jesus. We'll keep our eyes on the prize. And we thank you, Father, that you're moving in our lives. There's so many here that this is just reinforcement. They already know. They're already fixated. And that's why they're prospering. And so, Father, we thank you. You'll continue to take them even further. They haven't seen anything yet as to what you're about to do. And there are some in their hearts, they know, I've got to make an adjustment. Lord, help them to make that adjustment. Because we need more people on the squad. Ain't no sense in just us living a good life. We can all live the good life. It has nothing to do with us being special, as much as I'd like to think so. But it has to do with us being obedient and being willing. We thank you for it right now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Sure love you guys.